Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. And amen. Let me show you a little picture. This is my little shed. Um, That's my little shed. Yeah, all right. Now, Thank you very much. Who said it's cute? Did it? Thank you very much, Susan. I appreciate it. I wish you'd use a more masculine word next time. Second service, like, that's rad, dude. Okay, something like that, you know. But, you know, it's okay. So this is my little shed. <laughs> it's over in a corner of my property. And, and, and I use this shed for a few things. But the primary thing, I, I go down to my shed when I really need to get alone with God. I mean, not like get alone like every morning devotion alone. I'm talking about really get alone where I need to get loud with God. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? And I don't want anybody to hear what I'm getting loud about because it could be about them. How many know what I'm talking about, right? You know, and I just need some space and some distance to really get loud with God. I write a lot of my sermons sitting here in this shed. My bookshelves are in this shed. I got Wi-Fi down there. and Most of the messages I bring to you are written right down there. And, and, and so in, in kind of a way, uh, this, this is my, just my little shed. It's my little shelter. It's my little getaway. It's my, it's my quiet place, if you would, for those of you who have been in church a while. It's my prayer closet, everybody. The problem with my shed is this. After a week like this, I worry about my shed. I'm out there worried about my shed. God, let my shed make it through the storm. I was up there just two days ago shoveling a foot of snow off the top of my shed. When the wind gets crazy, I look out the window, make sure my shed's still there, you know. And I worry about my shed when storms come. And so this shed is not the safest place to go. I feel safe emotionally there, connecting with God. But physically, it's not necessarily always the safest place to go. But there is a place that we can dwell that is unmovable by any storm that the world can throw at us. Amen? And that's the place I want to talk to you about probably maybe over the next four, maybe five weeks, all right? So it's the secret place. So what I want to do, for those of you that have a Bible or will do devotions, just start reading Psalms chapter number 91. We're going to go through it verse by verse. Today, I'm literally going to go through it like word by word and define. Well, I brought 12 words to define to you. I don't know if I'll get to all of those, but I'm prepared, okay? And so all I want to do today is kind of set up a foundation of, of understanding the words in the first two verses so that it'll help bring light and revelation throughout the rest of the chapter. Everybody with me on that? So let's go to Psalms chapter number 91. Here's what it says. It says, He dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Oh man, I can't wait. Will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Um, how many know that, that line right there is packed with some good stuff right there already? It's a promise that if we will dwell in the secret place, and by the way, the secret place we'll find out is not some mysterious, oh, I hope I can find it. That's not what that means. Of the Most High, who is the Jireh God we just sang about, will rest. There's a lot of unrest in the world today. Will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He's so powerful that all we need is His shadow to show up, right? And so watch this. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and He is my fortress, my God in whom I 
will trust. Woo, come on. Can anybody just say amen to just the pure word of God, right, everybody? I mean, that's good stuff right there. So let's unpack that. We're just going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of go through some of these words like dwell and secret place and the word most high and the word shadow and the word almighty. And, and, and I will say, I want to talk about this statement, say of the Lord, because I want us to think about what are we saying? Are we saying how bad the world is or are we saying how good the Lord is? Okay, and he is my, I want to define this word refuge, and, and I want to define fortress, and uh, uh, I just want to mess with that whole verse. You guys ready for it? Here we go. Let's start off. Number one, let's look at the word dwell. Here's what the word dwell, because there's this promise, and, and the promise, there's some things we have to do, and the first thing we have to do is dwell. And dwell means, I'm just going to take, not the biblical definition, I just want you to look at this. Dwell means to reside, means to live, to have one's home, or to have one's residence, uh, be settled, ooh, ooh, be settled. There's a lot of us that love God, but you haven't been settled. And you haven't been settled for the last two years. Can you have storms going on all around you and be settled? Huh. I might be preaching to myself right there, okay? I might be. I'm not going to say whether I am or not, but I could be. When there's storms going on, can I be settled? When all hell is breaking loose, can I keep my eye on heaven? Can I be settled if I'm grounded in His secret place? It's a lodge. It's a place to stay. I like the term, it's a place to hang out. Because we don't really, we don't really often think about hanging out with God. Right? But maybe we ought to change that and think a little bit more about hanging out with God. Okay, so let me start this series with just some questions. When I read that, he who dwells, whoever's dwelling in the presence of God. So, so, so let me just ask the obvious questions that are before us. Where do, we, where do you dwell? Where do you dwell? I showed you a picture of my shed, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm not even necessarily talking about physically where you dwell. Where do you dwell emotionally? Where is most of your thought energy, where is your, your emotional, spiritual, thinking energy, where are you dwelling? What are the things that you are thinking about? I would say this, whatever our thought defaults are, wherever we go when, when we're not disciplined in our thoughts, that might have a stronger hold on you than you like to admit. Okay, let's ask some more questions because we don't like that one, so let's go to another one. So where is your time spent? Where do you dwell? Where do you hang out? I'm talking about in your mind. Okay, how about, do you hang out in fear? Do you hang out in anxiety? Do you dwell in selfish goals? Do you dwell in selfish ambition? Do you dwell in the things of the world? Do you dwell on social media? You knew I'd get that one in there. Do you dwell on the media? Do you dwell on the news? Do you dwell on politics? Do you dwell on the world state of affairs? Where do you dwell? And as we start the year, I want you to consider with, like, realistically consider where am I dwelling and where am I going to determine to dwell in a new year? Because some of you are still determined to dwell in 2021, but it's a new year, everybody. What, hold on. No, no, that's not even right. Some of you are still dwelling in 1979 when such and such went wrong, but you need to leave the past behind you and see that God has made a new way and dwell in the here and the now and the grace of God. Come on, somebody, right? 
Psalms 91 gives us some powerful principles that I, for one, am fired up about. It says no matter what's going on in the world around you, Psalms 91 gives me a place of protection that I can come when the wind is blowing, that I can come when everybody hates me, when I can come there, when everybody has let me down. There is a place I can get that God is there and He is real. Come on, everybody, now. The... The Hebrew word for dwell is yashab, yashab, and it means to sit down or to remain settled. Hmm. To sit down. Sit down. I want you to see the picture of the word. Uh, to, to sit down is to rest in something. Let me give you a scripture verse, and then let me connect the dots. Ephesians chapter 2. I love this verse. And I love the verse because of all the things that it, it, it's backfilled with. Let me read it first. And God raised us up with Christ, watch this, and seated us with Him. We're supposed to rest in Him because the work is already done. Mm -hmm. God has raised us up. You're not less than. He's raised us up and seated us with Him in heavenly realms in, notice the word, in Christ Jesus. Okay, let me, let me backfill this a little bit. If you remember this, and I, I recently preached on some Old Testament principles. In the Old Testament, the priest would go in to the holy place. He would go into the tabernacle and, and he would make morning sacrifices. For those Bible scholars out here that know this, the priest would go in to offer sacrifices at 9 a.m. in the morning. Say, why is that important? Okay, He would remain standing, giving spiritual duties and, and sacrifices and acts of incense and worship and all the different things that had to happen in the tabernacle. The priest would remain standing from 9 a.m. all the way to 3 p.m. In other words, all day he would be working to do things for God. I just want that to marinate for a minute. Because it's interesting, for those of you that know the Bible, that Jesus was crucified at 9 a.m. in the morning, and He hung on the cross and did a work for those hours until 3 p.m. when He shouted out, It is finished, and He gave up His Spirit to His Father. Come on, everybody. Right? He's proclaiming that it is finished. And when he said it is finished, it means I have fulfilled the law, I have redeemed the human race, and now I'm going to go to the right hand of the Father and I'm going to sit down. I don't have to stand up again. I don't have to give my life again. I don't have to work again. It's all over. I'm seated. And now God allows us to come and sit down in Him. In other words, dwelling is not some mystical thing. To dwell in Him means to be saved means to be redeemed, means that I've given my life to the Lord and I'm going to live my life in, I'm going to have my residence in, under Him. I'm going to dwell in Jesus. Are there any shadow dwellers in the house? Come on now, right? Okay. So then he says, he who dwells in the secret place. I can't wait to hit this one. Because the secret place, is, it's not a place that only a few spiritual elite people can find. I wish that it had a better translation. Sometimes our English language collides with original text 
um, because it makes it sound like it's a puzzle to be solved. It makes it sound like you're on some treasure hunt, and if you ying when you should yang, or you, you, know, you zig when you should zag, then you're going to miss out on who God is. That is not what this means. The secret place is not like, oh, a few people will find it. And the reason I make such a big deal out of this is when I grew up, I, I two or three times heard preachers that would get up and talk about this verse, and he that dwells in the secret place, and they would act as though only God's select, or only God's anointed, or only the preachers, or only a handful of people could get in the secret place. No, friends, that is wrong. We are all selected in Him, and when we choose to dwell in Him, we are automatically get the key to the secret place where no devil in hell can touch our lives. Come on now. And I want to say this as we go into the new year. I said this last year a couple times. I want to say it again. I want you as a church to remember that Ken Hubbard is not the hero of the radius story. All right? I, I, I don't have some secret key that you don't have. I don't have a secret place. I don't have a special track to God. No, we've all been redeemed. We all walk through the same door of grace. Come on, everybody. And honestly, without humoring you, I think that God called me to be the preacher simply because I have more problems than everybody else. And I say that with a little bit of humor, but I really believe one of the reasons God called me to preach is because of all the junk that I went through as a kid that I had to turn to God and find out what the Word of God said. Otherwise, I wouldn't have survived and I wouldn't be here. And so I think I had to have more problems. If anything qualifies me, it's all the issues I got running around, all right? The secret place is Jesus. Come on. He's the access into the secret place, the holy of holies. He's the access into the presence of the Father. He's the secret place. Jesus is the secret place. Come on. It's not secret as in we can't find it. It's secret as in, oh, that's what everybody's been looking for. We tried it here and here and here, and oh, there's the spot. There's the fulfillment. There's the redemption. That's what I've been looking for. Come on, you don't have to raise your hand, but some of you, just by the looks of you, you haven't always been a Christian. I can just look at you and discern that, right? You've tried a lot of other things before you tried Jesus. Can I get an amen at least, anybody? And you tried to get fulfilled by, just fill in the blank, there's a lot of things. The secret place is, I tried all these. Oh, but this is what I've been looking for. This, this, this is that thing. Let me shift gears and make the same point. When you get in the secret place, you are protected. And one of the lies of the enemy that I continue to pound against is that you don't make a mistake and fall out of the secret place. Somebody needs to hear that. You don't have to be good enough to be in the secret place. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would, if I could paraphrase, would come into the secret place. That would be in Jesus we are in Jesus where there is no condemnation and there is no shame. You do not fall out of the secret place when, when you made a mistake, when you had unforgiveness, when you all of the mistakes that the devil accuses you of, you don't now fall out of the secret place, therefore you're not protected from the storms of the world. Come on, somebody needs to hear that. Because I've heard that so much over the last two years. Well, this, this whole... This, this whole 
we'll say pandemic, has caused me to dig into God more because I'm afraid if I don't, something's going to happen. That is wrong thinking. That is demonic thinking. That is, not, uh, that is not God's heart. You don't fall out of the secret place. You don't fall out of His protection when you make a mistake. Can somebody thank Him that His grace is bigger than your mistake? Come on now. Right? Uh, it's so important that we understand. Let me give you an example to help prove this. How many know the story of Noah and the ark, right? I mean, at least pretend that you do, all right? Noah built this big old boat. He got in it, two animals of every kind. A storm came, rain 40 days, 40 nights, all that kind of stuff. Okay, now imagine this. There's some guys in here that are are boater, you know, all right? I mean, I was talking to Matt not too long ago about this dude goes in storms that I cry hearing the story. I'm not even on the boat, I'm curled in a fetal position saying, stop it, Matt. Quit telling the story. I want you to imagine Moses is in the greatest storm of life. There's not just high waves. The whole world is a wave. Get it? And he's not, I mean, he's on this big old boat. Crazy stuff is going on. Now, let me give you a little bit. The ark is a type of Jesus. So when you get in Jesus, you're in Jesus. He seals the door. Hmm. Everyone in Noah and the ark on the outside of the ark died. Everyone inside the ark lived. Just like today, everyone who's in Jesus will live and survive these storms. And everyone on the outside of Jesus is struggling and trying to keep their head above water. Right? But, 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 but Noah, if I could use the metaphor, was in Jesus. Come on, shadow dwellers, you're in Jesus. When the storms rage, you need to be reminded, I'm in Jesus. I'm a child of the Most High. Jaira, come on now. And and, and now watch this. This is my imagination here. Noah's in this boat. Matt, I'm glad you're here because amen me, even if you disagree and need to correct me afterwards, all right? In that boat, there are storms. This boat is like going all over. I have to imagine in 40 days, he fell down at least one time in that boat. I know, I know, skippers probably don't do that. I don't know. I'm just saying, if it was me, and that storm was brewing the way it brewed, I have to imagine that somewhere on the ark, Noah, maybe not Noah, maybe one of his sons, maybe one of his daughter-in-laws, maybe his wife. I have to imagine somewhere in 40 days of stormy weather, somebody stumbled and fell down. Would you, would you would just logically agree with me? Matt, I'm waiting for a head nod. Okay, okay, thank uh, uh, I, I know that you're probably thinking of all the reasons why not. But anyway, just go with me. Here's, here's what I want you to know. I'm sure with storms in life, you've fallen down too. Now, I know you got a nod and agreement on that one. But I want you to know something. When we fall down, Noah might have fell down in the ark, but Noah never fell out. He might have fallen down in, but he didn't fall down out. Oh, come on, that deserves a little better than that. See, people, people use weird ta- terminology. They say things like this. Oh, I messed up, you know. Woo, New Year's, I got a little hammered and I fell out of grace. No, you didn't fall out of grace. When you mess up, you fell into grace. Come on, everybody. Well, Isn't it good to know that our secret place is not a place that we can weeble, wobble, and fall out of, but that when we fall down, we fall down in Christ Jesus, and His grace is still big enough. Come on, man. 
Woo! How long do I get to preach today? <laughs> Number three. Remember, I had 12. We're, how many know we're not getting to 12, right? <laughs> Number three. The next word I want you to phrase, the next phrase is the most high. He that dwells in the secret place of the most high. In other words, you can't just dwell anywhere. You've got to dwell in the most high. And, and, and the word most high in the Hebrew is a word elion, E-L-Y-O-N. Here's what it means. Elion means there is none higher than him who is the possessor of heaven and earth. In case you didn't get that, okay? What that means, that word, what that means, there is none higher. Don't you hate it when you call somebody and they say, oh, after 30 minutes, oh, i got to get to my manager. Then you re-explain the whole story to the manager, and the manager says, oh, that was for, and they need to dial you to somebody else, right? Isn't it great that when we dwell in the Most High, there is nobody above? We have come to the top of the ladder, everybody. There is no one in heaven or earth above Him. In other words, He is the ultimate authority. He doesn't have to get anybody's approval. He doesn't need a vote. He doesn't need to check with a board. Come on, somebody. He doesn't need to ask your family's opinion. He doesn't need to ask your friend's opinion. He is the ultimate. And if it wasn't the truth before He said it, after He says it, it becomes the truth. That's why He stands up on nothing and says let there be light and light and the molecules didn't know what light was but his words are so powerful that the moment he speaks to darkness the darkness has to become what his words have said and he is the most high that he has called us to dwell in come on man let me say it another way. He is the head CEO. He was there before a this or a that or a where or a when he stood on nothing and called something into existence. He didn't even need a counterpart to make baby Adam. Come on. You know you're bad when you got X and Y all wrapped up inside of you, right? Uh, he didn't need somebody else to do anything else. He is the Mac Daddy CEO of the universe. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't even know what else to tell you. That's who you get to dwell in. So who's going to mess with you now? I'm in the most high. I'm with the president. I'm with the creator. I don't even have the right language to use. That term is first used in Genesis chapter number 14. I'll just give it to you. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God, most high, creator of heaven and earth. Let's look at just a couple more here. So he that dwells in the secret place of the most high, one translation, if you grew up learning it this way, said, shall abide, which connects to John 15. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. But that's a whole other sermon I'll get to another day. But this translation says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Those three phrases already can change 2022. But then it gives the promise, if we dwell where to dwell in the secret place, who do I dwell most high, then I shall rest under the shadow. Aren't we all just looking for a little rest? I'm not talking about vacation. I'm not talking about a beach, although a beach would be absolute. If anybody has a timeshare they need to get rid of, I will talk to you after church. As long as it's somewhere south, you know what I'm talking about. All right. But that you will, everyone's looking Everyone's so wound up. Suicide rates are high. 
because we're looking for rest. And God promises if you will dwell in the secret place, Jesus of the Most High, the Captain of the universe, you will have this place called rest. Your mind, your emotions can rest. I love that. So therefore, the first step to dwelling is being able to rest then in His finished work, knowing Him as your Savior. Where do we get rest? By dwelling. Where? In Jesus, who is sent by the Most High. When I'm in Jesus and Jesus is in me, rest is a byproduct of my soul and my spirit, everybody. I want to share a text that a guy in my life group uh, sent me during the holidays. I'll leave the name out. But he found number four. He, he has found rest. And, and here's what he wrote to me. He wrote, Ken, thank you so much, man. You have no idea how much life you and the church have given me. My gratitude for that is immeasurable. I have fulfillment, purpose, and joy like I never thought existed. Because he is dwelling in the secret place of the Most High and he's getting the benefits of resting. Oh, man. Come on, everybody. You know why I'm so fired up now? Right? If you rest. When we are saved, we are seated with him in heavenly places, resting in him. What do we rest in? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Maybe I'll stop on this one. It depends on how fired up I get, all right? What are we resting in? Well, we're resting in Jesus, but I want you to watch the, ter- the metaphor, the, the, the word pictures. We re- he will rest in the shadow. That's why I called this series The Shadow Dwellers. Be- because you can try to find rest in a lot of things. Am I right about it? People are right now trying really hard to find rest in their bank account. Nah. They're trying to find rest in their status. They're trying to find rest in... Ooh, uh, 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 the political party. They're, they're trying to find... Okay, so you get the picture. But it says that He will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I'll get to the word Almighty in a minute. But here's what the shadow speaks of. Follow me on this. His shadow speaks of a few things. Well, if you're going to be under someone's shadow, you need to be relatively close, right? And if you're not close, then the, the object that is being shadowed has to be pretty large (laughs) it speaks of intimacy and it speaks of power because I don't have to be right at the base of Mount Baker to be in the shadow of Mount Baker but when the sun is shining the right way I, I can be a little ways away but that mountain is so big that it casts a big shadow Mm -hmm. And, and, but it does speak of some level of proximity that I have to be in. Let me give you an illustration. When I was nine years old, I lived in Chicago in a very tough neighborhood. And uh, a lot of gangs, uh, I, I won't get too vivid in the story, but there, there was a, a guy, I'm nine years old, there was a guy, uh, a, a kid that pulled a knife on my baby sister in the elevator room of the high-rise that we lived in. And, um, and I knew that it was up to me to do something about that, but I was scared. <laughs> there was fear because that boy had some of his gang with him, and he had a knife, and I wasn't sure what to do. But I knew that a fight was going to ensue, 
And about that time, I lived with my uncle at the time, who's about 10 years older than me, and he had his own group of friends. And about the time I knew that I had to do something, my uncle stepped into the doorway of the foyer elevator room with some of his buddies. Here's what I'm saying. My courage level went through the roof, and I was like, Ooh. I'm telling you, come on, everybody. The, the spirit of Daniel's son hit me, man, and I was raring to go. Now, now, and, and it, went, it was on, okay? But what I'm saying is if my uncle Rodney could cast a shadow that brings my courage level up, how much more does he love me? How much more does he love me? How much more is the shadow of Jehovah Jireh encourage and strengthen us? Come on, man. And the Bible says we don't even have to look to find his shadow. He's as close as the mention of his name. If you are in Christ, then you are already under his shadow, everybody. And the devil is afraid of the shadow of Jesus. The shadow of Jesus heals people. The shadow of Jesus protects people. The shadow of Jesus delivers people. All you got to do is have his shadow. Come on, man. You don't have to keep on struggling to get closer to Him. Remember, let, let me, let, remember in the Old Testament, if you haven't read this in the Scripture, let me take you to a movie. You've seen uh, the Ten Commandments. And remember when Moses is up on the mountain and he's begging God, let me see you. I want to see you, God. I want to see you. Anybody remember this? And God responds. Matter of fact, let me give you the Scripture. Exodus chapter 33. So watch this. God responds. He says, when my glory passes by, he hides Moses, and he says, I'm going to come by you when my glory gets by you. Not when it's coming to you, when it gets by you. Hang with me here. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have gotten by you. So that the glory you're going to see is only of my backside. You're going to see... You're going to see me leaving you. That's the only glory that you're going to get to see. Hang with me here. Does anybody know this story? Watch this. Then I will remove my hand, and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Moses only got to see the backside of God. Moses only got to see glory departing. The old covenant, God was always visiting and departing. But ladies and gentlemen, we are the new covenant. And we are the new generation. Oh my goodness. Uh, and, and now He sends His Son not to show the backside, but He sends His Son to show the front side because He came to live with us and dwell with us and do life with us, everybody. And this is demonstrated in the parable of the prodigal son. Remember when the prodigal son is gone and he comes back? The Father is waiting for him. And He doesn't wait for the Son to get to him he turns around face forward to him and runs to him when you're in the shadow of the most high you shall abide everybody God is running to us his glory is coming to us it's not something we have to chase down I wish somebody would get this today come on now the secret place the secret place it speaks of intimacy it, I, I, we talk to people in marriage all the time. I say, you can do marriage three ways. You can do marriage back-to-back, -back, <laughs> you know. 
It's hard sleeping back to back. Get out of my face, you know? Okay, a lot of people are doing marriage back to back. Some people have got to step up and they're doing marriage shoulder to shoulder. We're taking the kids to soccer and we're paying the bills. Woohoo, that's a lot of fun. Or you can do, or you can do marriage face to face in each other's space. It speaks of intimacy. Shall abide under the shadow. The shadow speaks of intimacy. If you are under the shadow of something, you have to be close to it. So here's my question. Are you hanging out with Jesus? I'll end with, where are you dwelling? Are you dwelling in Jesus? Uh, Listen, friends, I'm not geographically talking. Where is your brain? Where is your heart? Where are your emotions? If you're going to grow in grace, you've got to spend some time in the shadow of grace. If you're going to grow in His likeness, you've got to spend some time in the shadow of His likeness. If you're going to quit dwelling in worry and anxiety and fear and anger and, and what mama did and what grandpa did, and you're going to quit dwelling in what happened 10 years, 20 years, 30 years ago, and you're going to dwell in the new creation that God has created you to be, then you're going to have to get close enough to be face-to-face in His shadow. So I challenge you on this first Sunday of 2022, let's be shadow dwellers. Amen. Any shadow dwellers? Come on. eh? I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop right there. Would you stand with me all over this place?